It is Locked on LSU, your team every day. I'm Matt Moscona. Glad to have you aboard with us here. Of course, you can join me every weekday afternoon, ESPN Radio, Baton Rouge, New Orleans, Alexandria, CST for the television simulcast, and right here for the Locked on LSU podcast. Ed Ogeron met with the media in advance of the Auburn week. You'll hear plenty of that. And a West Coast voter who thinks LSU is number one in the country. Talk to him a bit here on the podcast as well. Some interesting comments, though, as uh, Ed Ogeron and the LSU Tigers on Monday turned the page to Auburn. Uh, let's begin with a couple of sort of like housekeeping notes here, uh, including the plan for uh, Terrace Marshall, the former five-star wide receiver who uh, broke his foot against uh, Vanderbilt in late September and has been out for the last four weeks. Uh, here was Ed Ogeron Monday talking about, about Marshall. Yeah, well, we plan on easing him along. Uh, see how much he can do. Uh, Jack Marucci and uh, Coach Brady have an excellent plan. We talked about it today. Uh, he's going he's gonna to want to do everything and uh, be ready to go. But we feel that by game time, he should be ready to play. Having Terrace Marshall back, just a major boost for LSU. You get a, a 6-4 receiver that can blow the top off the defense in a game where you know, you're looking for game breakers and especially – a game like this where Auburn's defensive line is probably the best that you're going to face all year, and you need your your best receivers available for Joe Burrow to get the ball out quickly uh, if he's under pressure, and then to have receivers make plays. Let's not forget that Terrace Marshall played four games and had six touchdown receptions, which at the time of his injury led the SEC. So you look back to this past week where you had a couple of red zone possessions where you know there was contact, but receivers dropped balls. Uh, you'd love to have Terrace Marshall in those situations, and it looked like it looks like LSU will have Terrace Marshall available uh, this weekend. Now, the other big thing about this week, of course, as we mentioned, is going to be the play of LSU's offensive line. So Ed Ogeron did mention that the Austin Deculus just fine. He had a sprained knee uh, in the game uh, this past weekend at Mississippi State, but he did return to the game and was practicing on Monday. The other bit of good news is that on Monday's walkthrough practice, uh, there was video of Cardell Thomas, the five-star freshman offensive lineman out of Baton Rouge, who, of course, had that broken ankle uh, in fall camp, that he was out there going through the walkthrough with the team. Uh, last week, there was video of Cardell running on a treadmill. So all that's very pro positive as he progresses, but I haven't heard anything so far to suggest that Cardell Thomas might return this year. It looks like he will miss the, the season, but it is encouraging to see him out there. As for this week, you're facing an Auburn defensive line with Big Cat Bryant and uh, Derek um, Brown and, and Nick Coe. And, you know, that's just a, a very formidable defensive line and probably the best defensive line, certainly in the SEC, perhaps in all of college football this year. And so the onus is going to be on LSU's offensive line to keep Joe Burrow upright. Here was Ed Ogeron talking about the uh, play of his line this week. Dilo was playing very well. Dilo was physical. Uh, Dealer was hard to overpower. He's getting up to the second level and doing a fine job. The guy that surprised the year to me is Adrian McGee. I thought that uh, Ed Ingram would come. I said it the first week. I thought Ed, Ed, Ed was going to start, but Adrian has hold on and experience. He's playing well there. Are they playing great? No, they're not playing great, but you know what? I thought the line is the most improved group. They did get against Florida, but they're going to test it this, they're gonna get tested this week and more up the middle, as, as you alluded to, they're going to get tested. You know, the biggest test LSU's had so far this season was the home game against Florida when you looked at that defensive front, which had been so disruptive, even against you know the Auburn team that LSU's going to face this week. You know, when uh, Auburn and, and Florida played in Gainesville and that 
Florida defensive line harassed Bo Nix and forced him into turnovers and really controlled the tempo of that game. And LSU pitched a, sh- a shutout against Florida. Uh, Joe Burrow didn't get hit. He was not sacked. It was uh, no tackles for loss. It was as impressive a performance as this unit had. They elevated their game that week, and they'll need to do so again this week. Um, the other thing that was uh, uh, interesting on Monday that we talked about was, of course, Jacoby Stevens playing uh, really both safeties, something we talked about in yesterday's podcast. Delpit led LSU with 11 tackles, but Stevens had eight. He had three tackles for loss. He had a sack. He had the interception. And part of what we ta- discussed yesterday was it seems like Delpit and Stevens have found their respective roles. Delpit's much better at the line of scrimmage. Stevens can play that center field. You know, they were playing Stevens near the line of scrimmage because they were looking for you know athleticism around the line of scrimmage a year ago, but you were set at safety with John Battle and Grant Delpit. Well, of course, Battle graduates and Todd Harris gets hurt, and so they're playing Delpit sort of out of position early on this year. Well, one thing that you found now is you know, because you've developed some depth at interior backer, you can put Mike Divinity opposite Caleb on Chasson. You can bring in Marcel Brooks on rushdowns. You know, you're good with Phillips and Queen and Damone Clark all on the inside. They're getting Micah Baskerville snaps as well. So what that's allowed them to do is take Jacoby Stevens out of the box, play him at free safety, that deep center field where he's very good, obviously. And uh, also, it's allowed Grant Delpit to play at his more natural position, you know, closer to the line of scrimmage where he's in the action making plays. And I think as a whole, it's made LSU's defense a lot better and for his efforts this past weekend, Jacoby Stevens was named SEC Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, excuse me, Def- SEC Defensive Player of the Week. And Ed Ogeron did discuss Jacoby Stevens sort of finding that role. Well, uh, Jacoby was a five-star coming out of high school. One of the top players in Tennessee, one of the top players in America. His family was from Louisiana. We really wanted him. And uh, we, we felt that he'd become an excellent player. Uh, the first year, we just kind of figured out, kind of tried to figure out where we can put him, where he can play the best. He got better. He developed. The closer he is to the ball, the better he is. Now, he's great in coverage. You saw the interception. But he, pound for pound, he is the strongest player on our football team. And he plays the way the game ought to play. When you walk off the field, Jacoby's the finest gentleman you would ever see. When he puts that helmet on, He's very, very competitive and ferocious. So I'll be, I think he's becoming an excellent football player. LSU will be back on the practice field today, Tuesday. Uh, Ed Ogeron will meet with the media on Wednesday morning on the SEC Coaches Teleconference. He'll have his coaches show Wednesday night. So a ton of access throughout this week as LSU gets ready for Auburn. And as uh, news develops and as we get closer to the game on Saturday, we'll certainly get you ready for it. We'll knock out a quick break. And when we come back, we'll head to the West Coast, John Wilner is an AP voter for the San Jose Mercury News, and he actually has LSU number one in his poll this week. We'll find out why next. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We continue Locked On LSU, your team every day. I'm Matt Moscona. Glad to have you aboard with us. So uh, 16 AP voters now have LSU ranked as the number one team in the country. 
Uh, they're still ranked second in the AP poll, but 16 uh, have of the 62 have LSU as the number one team in the country. One of them is John Wilner of the San Jose Mercury News. And it's interesting to have someone on the West Coast look so favorably on LSU ahead of schools like Alabama and Clemson. So we went out to the West Coast and talked to John Wilner, who explained why he's got LSU number one. I've had him at number one for either two or three weeks. I can't quite remember. But this is this was not the first time I've, I've had him number one. Uh, I moved him there, after, I think it was after the Florida game, so two weeks. Uh, basically, they've got the best combination of wins in the country, right? I mean, I don't know of any other team that can claim – two wins like Texas and Florida, and especially with one of them being on the road. You know, that's the big thing. The AP sends out a list of guidelines to its voters every August. And, you know, number one is rank teams based on results, not on expectations or hype. And it's hard to do that in the first few weeks of the season because you got to have 25 teams, but a lot of them just play cream puffs for a few weeks. So you don't really know what's what until you hit October and then, you know, everybody's basically played a decent opponent or two at that point, And you can really get a feel for, for who's good. And, and LSU's got the best wins. I don't want you to speak for other voters, but what is your perception or, or your opinion when you see say Clemson, you know, Clemson continue to be number one on some ballots or whatever the case may be? Well, I mean, you know, Clemson, Alabama, are as close to uh, poll-defying as you get. You know, I've been voting in the AP poll for a long time, and I can't remember another instance when you had two teams that have been so dominant for a series of seasons that you almost have to just kind of dismiss wins against bad teams that aren't super impressive. You know, uh, I can't. Clemson against North Carolina, for instance, uh, you know, and you just kind of have to roll your eyes because you know that those teams have done it year after year after year at the highest level. And you kind of use a little bit of a different scale when you're voting for mm -hmm. them. And I think that that is as a longtime voter, it's hard. It has been hard the last couple of years to just judge Alabama and Clemson on what happens during the season because they have been so good. And I think that that's probably happening with both teams a little bit this year. He's on Twitter at Wilner Hotline. John Wilner of the San Jose Mercury News. AP voters got LSU number one in the country. What do you think, based on what you've seen, like if, if L when LSU and Alabama play, does your opinion on who's the better team differ right now from how you have them ranked? You know, uh, I don't really know who's a better team. Well, I guess it, it kind of depends on Tua's ankle a little bit, but uh, I don't really know who's a better team. Uh, I think that the, just from the outside looking in, this is the first year in a long time where I have thought LSU's got a real chance to win because they're going to be able to—they should be able to score, right? Mm -hmm. So it's hard to beat Alabama if you're one-dimensional, and that's kind of what they've been for a long time. So I give LSU a much better chance. I have no idea if they're going to get it done. You know, it'll probably end up coming down to 
a couple of turnovers or special teams or, you know, something like that. The big games always end up being three or four plays uh, making the difference. So I don't know, but I certainly give LSU a better chance to win that game than I have in a long time. John, just candidly, it's so refreshing to hear a voter say that. Like, not, not that you give LSU a chance, just that you don't know who's the better team, but you've actually got LSU ahead of Alabama based on the merit of what they've done. That's kind of the exercise that I'm trying to do is prove that, like, I don't know, man. It does irk me that that sometimes with 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 the polls, we get in so much of what your opinion is as opposed to what the results are on the field. So, like, if I look, if I ask you, look at the rest of your poll, and say the top ten, or I'd even extend it to like the top, uh, include Notre Dame there as a one loss team, or maybe even if you want to throw in a one loss Utah, or whatever. What give me a team that's maybe not there right now? that you think stars align as a good shot to end up in that final four? Oh, in the final four? Oh, boy. I mean, that's tough. I, I would have said well, I would have said Wisconsin until the other day. Uh, I mean, I think that final four is really going to be tough to, to get in for anybody who's not. You know, if you figure one Big Ten, one ACC, Big 12, two SECs are going to all be in contention – and maybe you get the Pac-12 champion, you know, uh, we'll see. It's going to be hard for Oregon if Auburn needs to win. Uh, Oregon needs Auburn to win a couple of those big games down the stretch in order to, I think, have a shot. Because if Auburn is, what were they, 3-5 and five last year in the West? You know, mm-hmm. if they're 3-5, and 4-4, four four, four, that's going to make it awfully hard for Oregon to, to justify getting in uh, over uh, even an at-large team from the SEC. John, how does the Pac-12 champion get in this year? Let's let's say it's Oregon. Play out the hypothetical. How do they get in? Well, they get in because Clemson loses, and uh, the a- the committee determines that the ACC is so bad, and Clemson, uh, you know, they got that Texas A&M win. I don't know if how that would play out uh, for the committee, but I think that the softness of the ACC might make Clemson a little bit more vulnerable this year. Uh, I think, you know, certainly it, it's got to be a team that doesn't have a marquee, uh, you know, a marquee win, right? Oregon's got to get measured up against a team that doesn't have, because Oregon doesn't have one. So if, if it's Oregon against LSU, for instance, I think LSU is going to get the edge, right? If they're both at one loss and they're competing for the fourth spot, let's say LSU's only loss is to Bama mm-hmm. and it's a close loss and you got Oregon versus LSU. And one's an at-large and one's a Pac-12 champ. LSU's got that win at Texas, and Oregon doesn't have the equivalent result. So I think it's going to, you know, they're going to need somebody to have two losses from one of the one of the Power Five champs is going to have to have two losses, I think, for Oregon to get in. We'll knock out our final break. Come back. You'll hear from Joe Burrow talking Auburn, and Tim Brando gives his thoughts on this LSU team. Stick around. Locked on LSU, your team every day. Wrapping up another edition of the Locked on LSU podcast, your team every day. Always love getting the perspective of Tim Brando, longtime college football uh, reporter, analyst, uh, play-by-play man, and now with Fox Sports, who obviously started his career in Baton Rouge at WAFB and has seen the SEC for so many years. And uh, spoke with Timmy B on Monday, and we did discuss a good bit about LSU, including if he's ever seen anything like this LSU offense right now. Nothing like it. I mean, absolutely nothing like it. They're a best of teams uh, with their most veteran players. Uh, the team that won the national championship for less uh, that had the mad scientist uh, 
uh, at one point involved. You know, Greg, Gary Croton was a bit of a bad scientist, and he was asking his quarterback uh, uh, to, to do, you know, Matt Flynn to do some pretty bizarre things. And Matt was smart enough and intelligent enough uh, to pull it off. There was a lot of maturation on that team. Uh, you know, Hester being one of the reasons why the club was so uh, resilient, you know, and could uh, rebound from the two losses and, and win the national championship of the BCS era. But that was a wide-open offense, uh, as wide-open as really you could see. Um, short of that little blip on the screen with Zach Mettenberger that one year, which I think was, what, 13? Yep, 13. And the was awful. The defense was awful that year, and it needed to have that uh, wide-open attack with, with Zach Mettenberger. And, of course, you, you had uh, great receivers at that time, too, Odell and Davis and, and that kind of thing, which I, I got to call a couple of games during that period when I was at CBS, usually the Arkansas game, when we on, were on the same weekend as, um, as the Iron Bowl. I mean, there was a lot of talent and, and some big plays, some explosive play capability, but nothing like this. I mean, nothing even close, really, to this. And uh, looks like the best of times are yet ahead. Is this is LSU the best offense in college football right now? Yeah, hmm. yeah, certainly the most efficient and explosive. You know, there's one thing to be explosive. A lot of times you give up efficiency in in being explosive. There are some examples of that that uh, I could give you across the board. Uh, I, I saw one of those teams this past week uh, that last week had uh, their quarterback throw it 37 times. And he had three interceptions, and he had not thrown an interception all year up until that point. I'm talking about Charlie Brewer and Baylor, which I think is the number one reclamation project that I've ever witnessed in college football. Think oh, of wow. where that program was three years ago. And I mean, on the I mean, the, the, the death penalty and Baylor were being mentioned in the same sentence. And Matt Rule now has that team as a legit seven and zero, and I think there are threats to beat Texas straight up, beat Texas and rival Oklahoma. Uh, they've got some big time talented wide receivers, some real, uh, an outstanding running back. Uh, and they've got a quarterback that's, um, awfully good, but he threw it 37 times, uh, after some turnovers and he nearly lost home six cents. Very easily could have lost the game. Maybe should have lost the game, but they went to Oklahoma state and, uh, he threw it half as many times. I think he was 12 or 15 for like over 300 yards and made big play after big play. That's efficient. Uh, what you saw from LSU this past week, after a little bit of a lethargic start, I only got through watching about three-quarters of the game earlier today. I had it on DVR. It was on opposite my game on Fox. Uh, we were on about a half hour later than, than LSU was. Um, that's still a very efficient offense, and you could argue maybe was a little sloppy in the red zone early, mm-hmm. having to settle for the field goals. But, I mean... He is making uh, four touchdowns and 327 yards look pedestrian. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? right. I mean, think about that. I mean, by his standards, uh, Burrow is making four touchdowns and 327 uh, look pedestrian. And that is a sharp contrast to anything that we remember about uh, LSU football in recent memory. And one more from Timmy B. During our conversation, I asked him if he feels like LSU will beat Alabama when they go to Tuscaloosa in three weeks. And if it were, if it were, if they were in Baton Rouge, absolutely, I'd, I'd say yes. But I mean, the game is in game is in T town. Last I checked, I don't think it's moved. Yeah. The problem I have with LSU, and I mentioned it a little earlier, I don't see 
consistent pressure without them having to make some changes and allow linebackers to come in and therefore put themselves in peril. Now, the situation with Tua could change a little bit of that, you know, if he's not completely healthy. Um, I'm not, I would give LSU a 40-60 chance right now. Okay. I would say they're on the 40 end. That's close. That's close. And by the way, uh, if they happen to be ranked one or two, um, you know, right now they're second in my poll. I've actually got them ranked ahead of Alabama in my own top ten that I put out each week. Um, you know, they could drop, say, maybe three or four spots and still have a shot. I mean, there's a chance. Because LSU does have the brand name on their side. I mean, they built up some sweat equity. They've been a blue blood program for the last decade or so. So, I, I mean, I, I would suggest to you that they could absorb the loss and still get in. But are you at, are they playing better than Alabama? Yes. Do I have them rated higher than Alabama? Absolutely. But can they beat them in Tuscaloosa on November 9th? I'm still on the fence on that one. If you want to hear the entire conversation with Tim Brando, he was good enough to spend about 15 minutes with us. You can do so at 1045ESPN.com. Just click On Demand select after further review and you'll see the Tim Brando interview there under October 21st. Uh, We talked with Tim a little bit there about uh, the Alabama game, but first things first, it is LSU and Auburn and uh, Joe Burrow for one is very aware of the task at hand. Trust me, we're not overlooking this team. They're too good. Third top, top 10 team we're playing this year. You can't, you just can't, you'll, you'll, I mean, we'll get our, we'll get our butts beat if we, if we overlook this team. So the team is focused on Auburn, and uh, we will be on tomorrow's episode of the Locked on LSU podcast. We'll start to break down LSU and Auburn. Tigers and Tigers, we'll look forward to it, and we'll see you then. In the meantime, please subscribe to the podcast. If you've not done so yet, that is just a massive help to us. And until tomorrow, it's Locked on LSU, your team every day.